My name is Stephen Orr. Welcome to The Better Buy. Welcome to The Better Buy, a podcast from Better Homes and Gardens. I'm your host, Melanie Berlier. Each week, we talk to experts about the highs and lows of home ownership and share stories, advice, and practical tips you can actually put to work in your own space. In this episode, I'm speaking with Stephen Orr, Editor-in-Chief of Better Homes and Gardens. Stephen has several decades of experience working in lifestyle media and is the author of two gardening books. And later in the episode, we'll hear from Samir Patel, Senior Vice President and General Manager of Discover Personal Loans, about the type of home improvement projects someone can use a personal loan for. Thank you so much for being here, Stephen. We're very excited to talk about your beautiful home in Cape Cod. Can you tell us about the home? What drew you to it? What was the selling point and the story behind the home? Hey, Melanie, it's great to see you. We've had the house since March 2021. So we're definitely those pandemic COVID buyers that wanted to do something different. And my husband and I had had a little lake house in upstate New York that was very small, very inexpensive when we bought it. We had it for about 15 years. And it was an old house too. And then I had bought a house in Des Moines, Iowa for the job I have at Better Homes and Gardens. And at that point, uh, 1932 Center Hall Colonial there. And then I sold that. So I didn't have either of those houses. And my husband and I were here in New York City during the dark days of the pandemic in 2020. And we both were going a little nuts. And we we're like, well, what's next? And so we had been on our very first trip during the pandemic. We went to Cape Cod. And we'd been before, but not a lot. And we just fell in love with it, of course, like so many people do. And we looked at each other and we said, is this where we want to try a a next stage, you know, another place that we could have both as a secondary home, but also maybe a primary home later with the city being secondary. So we lucked into a place that was full of a lot of history. History is very important to me. So. So this was your third historical home purchase then? Yes. And I have an apartment in New York City. That's probably from the 30s too. So I guess it's historic as well. So I'm kind of well used to living with things being old, things that need updating, sockets that will blow when you run the um, vacuum cleaner or even an iron. All of those things made me say to myself, I'm never buying an old home again. So that was what I pledged. I said, I'm never buying an old home. I'm going to buy something modern or something recently built. And then what happened was this Cape Cod house we fell in love with is not only old, it's partly 1760s. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really old. And it has a great history. And I love history in general. I guess my impractical side overwhelmed my practical side. You know, that's, I mean, I like that about you, Stephen. Yeah, I love the beauty of the place and just feel like you have to take it because you don't want someone to mess it up. And I felt like we wouldn't. Mm. Who were the previous owners and are they haunting you today? Well, I haven't had any ghosts that I've known of. It does have a very nice feeling to it. The Cape Cod style of house was invented in the 18th century by the colonist. And it's a very functional kind of house. It's kind of got a pitched but low roof. And the whole house is basically a square. And it's anchored on a brick chimney because it had to withstand all those nor'easters and hurricanes on Cape Cod. You have two square front rooms, and then you have a variety of rooms in the back, which could be a kitchen or even a room like a nursery. And then upstairs, there's a couple of bedrooms. And it was moved from its original location, correct? So it was in another town in Cape Cod, and it was what they call flaked. 
Back in those days, they didn't have trees. They had cut all the trees down after the settlers arrived. So when you look at old pictures of Cape Cod, it's barren. There's just rolling hills. Now there's a lot of trees have grown up. But back then they didn't have wood, so they moved houses like crazy. So all over New England, because the settlers had cut so many trees down, wood was very valuable and people didn't have much money. When you're in New England, a lot of houses have been moved. Wow. And sometimes they move the whole house like we do today. They would put it on, I guess, wagons. Even in Provincetown, which is nearby, there were some that used to be out on a sandbar. They floated them over and they have little plaques with waves. They're called floaters. My house was flaked, which means it was taken apart, labeled, and then reassembled on site. Wow. That happened in 1938. And it was done by a man named Thomas Blakeman, who was president of the local art museum. And the house is odd in that it has quite a few small bedrooms and quite a few small bathrooms. And we almost think it was a boarding house or something, because at this point it was becoming a tourist attraction. You could make some money. And there's something weird we found in the dining room, which was a servant's bell in the floor that you could hit with your foot to have the servants come in, which you know, it's not a big house. So I didn't know why that was, but it kind of goes along with rooming house thing. Did you maintain the bell? You've said that you wanted to combine the old with the new, but maintain no, the authenticity of the original home. We had to redo that floor and the bell wasn't wired anymore anyway, and there was nothing for it to ring. So we ended up taking that out, but I have the actual bell. Can you speak to which elements of the home you felt you needed to preserve versus the elements of the home you were willing to part with? I was very clear, and my husband and I were very clear, that we didn't want to do what I call a white box reno, which would be kind of make it look like a condo where you just go in, rip everything old down, put up drywall, paint it white, have all the joinery and all the pieces be really perfect. We didn't want that. And anyone who wants to own a historic home or wants to renovate a historic home, anytime you try to keep the history, first of all, there'll be a lot of people that try to talk you out of it. Really? Because it's harder. It's Like so the much, builders and the architects? All of them. The- Nobody really wants to do it because what they want to do is rip it all apart, redo everything, and then put the new stuff up. And if Because you're it's trying, less of a liability, I suppose. It's just easier, too. I think it takes them less time, right? And so it makes it more expensive when you're trying to keep historic parts of it. And the part mm-hmm. of the house that we love the most is the two front rooms, which would have been in the old days, a sitting room and maybe a bedroom. But they're two square rooms with the original cabinetry from the 18th century and even the original windows. So the windows have that kind of wavy glass. And we had the windows restored by an antique window restorer so that they work now, they're functional, but they are still old, probably from the late 18th century. We're only the third owners in this spot since the 30s. But Previously, it would have been on this road in another town. And in that town, generations of family would have lived there before it was moved. So it's just interesting to think about all the humans that have been in there looking out of those windows and making fires in those fireplaces. But trying to keep that history, we didn't touch those two rooms. We kept those authentic. One's light and one's dark, which I also love. So one feels like a morning room and one feels like an evening TV room. And the morning room had paint, but it was old and getting that kind of alligator texture that lead paint gets. So we had to have that all done, repainted, but it looks as good as new. The parts of the house that really had to be redone were the kitchen and bathrooms, and we added a sunroom. And that's more of a functional reason for updating? Yeah, functional, but also the kitchen was more of a 90s kitchen. Very low level appliances and kind of crappy looking countertops. It was a no brainer to rip that out and start over. And the bathrooms had been kind of jerry rigged by the previous owner who has owned the house since the 90s. 
we believe that she probably had a fair number of people staying there because she owns a bar in P-Town. And I think she might have had workers living there because housing is so hard. So I get the sense that over the years, she had some people not pay rent and do odd jobs around the place. Because whenever the plumber came with the electrician, they'd be like, who did this? For instance, when we got in the house, they said, your house isn't grounded. And in fact, even the pipes were slightly electrified, we found out. Oh my, that sounds dangerous. Well, nothing bad happened. They did say you could get a shock if you touched the wrong thing. They didn't specify what it was, Melanie. They just said that out loud and then we're we're left to our own (laughs) devices. But the copper pipes in the house were electrified to such a degree that they started to verdigree or kind of oxidize. And so Mm -hmm. water coming out of the sink would leave blue stains because the plumbing was slightly electrified. Isn't that weird? Oh, that is weird. So was all of that revealed during the inspection? Yeah. Yeah, it was. For anyone listening, if you've ever bought a house, you know the inspection is kind of a guide, but it's always other stuff. Right. And there was no horrible surprises. All the things that the inspector revealed were things we knew we had to fix. We certainly didn't feel like we bought a lemon. We feel like we bought the best house we've ever lived in, basically. Oh, that's wonderful. We just finished the renovation, which took 11 months. Congratulations. Thank you. We finished it about a month ago. I mean, 11 months honestly doesn't seem like that long of a time to renovate a home from the 1700s, did you say, originally? Yeah. yeah. That had already been moved once? Yeah. I think it clipped along. And have you renovated before? I'm mid-reno, and we hit pause about 11 months in just because time and money became an issue, and we decided to just reset. Yeah. So I'm very well-versed in all of the unexpected things that arise (laughs) and the unexpected costs and the things that go wrong. I mean... Yeah. I don't know if I'd do it again. The advantage is that you can customize it to your exact tastes, right? Right, Are there any aspects of your home that are very customized you can speak to? Yeah. We had this beautiful old 1930s brick patio, and it also has this really pretty wooden arch painted white that almost looks like a ship kind of thing. And the house is very close to the ocean. And so my husband said, well, let's put this sunroom in. We wanted to expand the kitchen because the kitchen was very small and dark. So we decided to bump out beyond the kitchen and create an addition, which is quite small. And it has windows all around. So it's a sunroom. And we put aged brick that we could buy online. It's half brick. So it doesn't have the weight because the weight was going to be a big deal on the addition with the new pilings and everything. So it's sliced half old bricks laid in a herringbone pattern. And we put heating underneath, which was one of those expenses we kind of went back on forth. And then we're like, no, what? It'll be so wonderful in the winter. So we have heating underneath, radiant heating. And then Chad got an idea to have the archway that was in the back porch mimicked as a divider between the kitchen and the sunroom. Oh, that's very good. That kind of touch really, I feel like, tries to keep the house looking... Authentic, cohesive. cohesive and authentic to the Cape, which nothing's perfect out there. Everything's a little funky. Right. I also found these Delft tiles, which are from an English maker named Douglas Watson. I really loved the look of those when I saw them on Instagram. Yeah. Thank you. They were all chosen because I was interested in these nautical themes within the tradition of Delft tiles, which also have a presence in New England because people were moving around and sailors were coming around. So each of the tiles, there's plenty of blanks. And then randomly, there's a blue and white one that has a little image of either a mermaid or some really weird sea creature or a little boy clamming or stuff like that. So it has all these funny little scenes in it, which I think adds character as well. Yeah. Have you been able to incorporate the location, this Cape Cod vibe into the home in any other ways? That's a fixation. We've been buying some artwork locally 
there's some auction houses out there that you can get a painting from 1928 for a couple of hundred dollars. And there was a big art colony there in the Outer Cape, especially in Provincetown from 1890 on. So we're only hanging up Cape Cod artists. I love that. With a focus on women from the teens on till basically today. And we're trying to do a combination of current artists, but also historical artists. That's how you keep the ghosts happy. I think so. The ghosts are happy. And as you know, we've been through all variations of working and working from home or working in the office. And that first year, I was there a lot by myself. And I'm not a ghost believer, but I always get some vibes, right? And I never got a bad vibe. You don't have any friends on the other side, Stephen? <laughs> I don't think so. If I do, maybe, they, <laughs> maybe they're friends and I don't know. it. But like one night I was there by myself and I was fully awake. It wasn't like I was dozing. I was about to go to bed and I distinctly heard a cough inside the house. But that's the only time I've ever seen anything or something weird like that. But um, Only time in one year or two years. There's <laughs> yeah. a lot of time You think there's more? You went ghost. 100%. <laughs> they didn't want to scare you off until you completed the renovation. And are you able to visit lots of tag sales and estate sales and flea markets out there? One of the local churches actually has a, a thrift shop, and that's great. But we wanted to imbue the place with history, but also we didn't want to be too beholden to that. So right. I feel like we've added a layer in the decor that is very appropriate to the 18th and 19th century and the sailor thing and all the marine stuff. What I don't want to do is have it look like colonial Williamsburg, right? So right. what we're doing now is trying to mess that up by buying modern pieces or things that work very much with, but still against the colonial vibe. Because I really don't want to be in a place that feels like it's a museum or you know. Right. And you've also said that you're committed to keeping your home relatively low-fi, which I think is fantastic oh, because yeah. everyone else is so fixated on the smart home thing. Yeah. So can you speak to that? Well, I'm low-fi in general, but you know, we're all digital people all the time, basically now. I look for ways to be analog. And that's why I love gardening, is it makes me put my phone inside or at least somewhere else. And I think the analog life is something I long for in many ways because we see how disruptive it can be to everybody's mental health and everything else and politics and everything. So with this house, I have no desire for a lot of bells and whistles. We put in HVAC, which was like a big deal because in the old days, you didn't need air conditioning on the Cape. You had Cape breezes. But past two summers when I was there, it's pretty darn hot. And everyone says the days of no air conditioning on the Cape are kind of in the past. So we kind of hid the AC infrastructure. So we didn't have to take down walls and add what they, do you know what a soffit is? I do not. I'd have to Google it to give you the actual definition, but it's a kind of built piece of a roof where you're hiding pipes or conduits. And when you're redoing an old house, there's no room for that stuff. Because for instance, the ceiling of our kitchen is the floor of the upstairs. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. They weren't built with all these extra pieces and spaces to run things. So anytime you need to run lines or a sewage line or anything had to be redirected, they would put these soffits in. So it becomes an architectural challenge of how you make those look like part of the house. But all that code stuff too, as you know, Melanie, right. with an old house, you do get some permission, depending on where you live. But obviously on Cape Cod, they want to preserve the history. So they will let you grandfather in stuff that you don't touch. So it's really fascinating when you're renovating an old house that when the new stuff happens, you know, permits out the whatever, but then when they go touch the old part of the house, you're grandfathered in for a bunch of those things. So for instance, we had to rebuild a staircase because the house had two staircases. The original old Cape, 
I've been meaning to put it on Instagram because it's so steep. It's almost like a ladder. Very narrow too, right? In a lot of those older homes. Very narrow. And so that's the front staircase. And since that's grandfathered and we didn't touch it, but we had another staircase that was built in the 30s that when we added the sunroom needed to be rebuilt. And it was a really bad staircase. And so that one, as soon as we touched it, they're like, we have to go to code. So it had to come out further. And you're like, really, we have to build a staircase? That sounds expensive. And of course, everything is, you know. Everything is. Especially these days. build on this home improvement talk, we welcome Senior Vice President and General Manager of Discover Personal Loans, Samir Patel. Samir, we've been discussing a few home improvement projects on the podcast so far. I'm curious what kind of home improvement projects someone could use a personal loan for. Melody, first, thank you for having me. Great question. A personal loan can be helpful for a variety of home improvement projects. The potential projects usually fall into either the home renovation or home repair categories. For home renovation, think of projects that spruce up your home, like remodeling a bathroom or a kitchen. Maybe you've been in your home for several years and have always wanted to redo your living room. So you have a more comfortable space to make memories with your family. We also know that a home can come with its fair share of unexpected expenses, which is another way a personal loan can be helpful. These unexpected expenses can include things like repairing or replacing the roof on your house or a pipe that burst during bad winter. These necessary projects are often unplanned and in certain situations can be very costly. So whether you're planning a home remodel or needing an emergency repair, a Discover personal loan may be worth considering. And unexpected costs are definitely a tried and true aspect of home ownership, I would say. For those who aren't as familiar with personal loans, do you mind sharing some of the benefits of using a personal loan for home improvements? Yeah, there are several benefits to a personal loan for home improvement. For a Discover personal loan, you could qualify for up to 40000 to cover your project costs, which again could cover you know all or part of the cost depending on the size of the project. Personal loans are unsecured, so you don't need to put your home as collateral. And then generally, a personal loan also offers fixed interest rates and regular monthly payments so you could plan your budget and you don't have to worry about payments changing during the life of that loan. And how long does it take to get approved? You know, most people get a decision the same day they submit the application. And with a Discover personal loan, the money can be sent as soon as the next business day once you're approved and accept the loan. This can be helpful if your home is in need of an unexpected repair. What can our listeners do, Samir, if they have any additional questions? Great question. If you have questions, you can always talk with one of our dedicated loan specialists who will explain your options. At Discover, we listen to your needs. Considering and applying for personal loan doesn't have to be a stressful process. Think of a Discover personal loan as a tool that will help you take that positive step forward in improving your home and making those needed repairs so that you can focus on enjoying your updated home and making memories with loved ones. Or if you're comfortable with an online process, you could visit our website. And is there anything else you'd like to discuss or any additional thoughts you'd like to share today? 
Um, you know, again, I think when it comes to financing for home improvement, it can be stressful because some of these projects can be costly. And so think of personal loans as one option. And if you're interested in the option, I would encourage you to do some research, come to our websites, and you can look at what it may cost to take the loan in terms of monthly payment and make an informed decision of how you want to finance that home improvement project. Thank you so much, Samir. And to learn more, please visit discoverpersonalloans.com slash betterbuy. We'll be back with more from Stephen Orr after the break. Hey, everyone. I'm Sid Evans, editor-in-chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce season five of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back to The Better Buy, a podcast from Better Homes and Gardens. I'm your host, Melanie Berlier, and today I'm speaking with Stephen Orr. Now that you're on the backside of this renovation, do you have any reno regrets? I don't think so. You know, we're not normal people. It's just my husband and I and a lot of guests who come. We don't have kids. We don't live the modern way. So the house itself, we want to keep it till we can't have it anymore. So it's not a house we want to flip and we're not wanting to sell it in a few years. We want to be there till we can't be there anymore. It's your forever home. It's a forever home, which I've never had before. You know, you said, do I regret anything? I don't regret anything. But, you know, we did a lot of stuff. I look at the house through our lens first only. But then sometimes I kind of look at it and I'm like, well, if we had to sell later, would we have done that differently? And I don't think we would. For instance, I'm trying to do things as green as possible, even though that's almost impossible. We put in solar, which already is paying for our electricity, which is great. Great. But in the bathrooms, we kept all the sinks. The toilets were bad from the 90s, so those were easy to replace. But the sinks were 30 sinks. They had the hot and the cold separate, right? And there was a discussion with the contractor. They were like, well, if you do this, you're going to have to get one of these mixing valves to make it up to code because they don't like the separate hot and cold anymore because the hot can be too hot, whatever. We were able to keep those sink things the way they are. And it's really fun to have these old sinks that feel that way. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. I do think there's a balance between considering resale value and doing what you want, right? It's easier when you know you're going to be there a long time. Yeah. I had a fight with my husband this morning about the trees that he's trying to grow because he's about to have surgery and can't tend to the trees anymore. And I don't have an hour and a half to spend watering the trees. And he said, but they're important to the resale value of the house. And I was like, can't we wait a few years? Do you have a drip irrigation on a timer? We don't have anything on a timer, but there's some kind of complex irrigation system going on to which I'm not yet privy. Okay. Well, um, if you want to talk, I can help you set up an easy tree. I'm watering trees as we speak, probably. Are you? Cloud. Yeah, I oh, have. That's a, nice. So you're high tech when it comes to watering. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like the tech where it makes sense. For instance, we got an induction stove mm-hmm. because 
we were going to have to bury a big propane tank. It was going to cost $10,000 to just bury the propane tank, right? So we got induction. So I'm learning to use my induction stove, which is more high tech than I <laughs> normally like in a stove. Right. <laughs> and the induction stove is actually more energy efficient, right? Yeah. And it can work off the solar. So that's another benefit. So far, I'm really loving it. I had to get used to it because the first time I walked away from the oatmeal, I came back to oatmeal over the whole cook surface because it boils so fast. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well. Technology where it makes sense. <laughs> exactly. I think that's a good philosophy. Yeah. What what advice, Stephen, do you have for people who are on the verge of renovating an older historic home? Well, I think you kind of touched on some of the points, like figure out the parts that you're trying to keep and preserve and what are the parts that need to be updated. And the updates tend to be the invisible systems, right? Really decide, okay, we're going to go in. There's some walls coming down to put in this or that. Should we just bite the bullet and redo the systems? And also, Melanie, as you know, when you're doing a renovation, just be aware you're going to start adding stuff. Mm. You know, we worked with our general contractor who we love a lot, and we wanted to work with a woman. She was a woman we kind of know from college who happens to live on Cape Cod. So there's a lot of trust there. And she told us a funny thing. She said, anytime the client points, it's $10,000. <laughs> I believe that. And she says people want to stay on budget, but then the client's like, what if we do? And they point and you're like, $10,000. Time is money. Time is money. And so there's so many things you have to decide. And we tried to save money and luckily our GC helped us. We took on a lot of the work that I imagine people with a much bigger budget outsource. So we ordered a lot of stuff ourselves. We organized mm. all that. So we were trying to save whatever money we could. And she knew that. So she helped us. That's a very good point, though. You can save money. I think people don't realize that by taking on some of those tasks that the builders or architects might otherwise do. Kind of similar to doing a lot of the work on your taxes before yes. you hand it off to the accountant. Exactly. The more you organize in advance, the more money you save. And there's markup on everything, too, with the contractors. Right. 15% generally. Yeah. And so you have to kind of take all that into account. But there's always tough, tense moments, even in the process with our GC. I remember a couple of tense moments where, for instance, we had three bathrooms and they have the same tile design, but in three different colorways. So slightly silvery gray, slightly maybe a tiny bit green, slightly a bit peachy pink, right? So three different bathrooms with this rustic tile. We had explicitly said which color went in which place and which name. One rainy Saturday, we drove up and I went in to check on the house. They had just made a crazy quilt of all the colors in every bathroom. So it was like, you know, <laughs> random colors. So I had to call the contractor. Luckily, they could pry it all off and redo it. It's a good it, thing you caught it in time. Regular visitation is key, too. Yeah, that's a very good pointer for people undergoing a renovation. You have to check in regularly because you think you're communicating well. Right. We worked with some great artisans, really great tile people, great carpenters. I really value their craftsmanship and their artisanal skill because I don't have any of that. All those people have such skill. So I want to cut them a lot of slack. But they don't tend to want to call you with questions. They just want to do it. And mm -hmm. sometimes I'm just like, please call me if you have a question. I can drop anything almost unless I'm doing a podcast to answer you. <laughs> <laughs> do you harbor any fears specific to owning a historic home? Mm, no, we're in a very hurricane, stormy kind of place, but we're not close to the ocean. There's houses around us that regularly fall in the ocean. On the ocean side of Cape Cod, the shoreline is moving all the time. We're far enough away that it'll be thousands of years before it changes for us. We're also kind of in a little hollow, so the wind is less. But, you know, the wind comes over from the ocean and it knocked down our 116-year-old tree. Oh, no. 
And so I think I'm not worried about any of those things. I think the house is really solid. It's been in this site since 1938, and it's been there on the Cape since 1760-ish. So I don't have any real concerns about the house or anything. I want to make sure that we just are good caretakers. And Does your house have a name, Stephen? Not yet. We've been thinking about it. I think it needs one. It might need to be something with the wind. It is quite windy. Yeah, I don't know. Stephen, I'd love to do a quick round of word association. Mm -hmm. I'll feed you a word and you just reply with whatever comes to mind. Okay. Change. Good. Light. No curtains. That works. Ocean. Close by. Past. Romance. And technology. Usefulness. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you want to make sure we speak to today? I just would part with this. Nothing's perfect. And that's something with these renovations, you have to be aware where you're willing to be imperfect. And in this house, we're celebrating the imperfections of everything. And I wanted to show the seams of where the 2023 house, which is the sunroom in the kitchen, meets the 1938 house, meets the 1760 house. So those areas, I want to not erase them. I want those to be levels that people see. I think celebrating all those imperfections is what I love the most. And I think that's what adds the romance more than trying to make everything modern and perfect. Because I think sometimes we're tempted to just erase the past. And I think having things be a little wonky, as our contractor said, speaking of house names, I'll leave it here. She suggested the name Janky Acres. <laughs> That's amazing. I agree, though. There's strength in our scars, they say. Mm -hmm, yeah. Isn't there a traditional Japanese art that embraces this phenomenon where instead of throwing something out because it's cracked, you rebuild it with beautiful gold? And Do you know what it's called? Wabi-sabi is one, but then there's a name for the gold mending of pottery, which I don't remember right now. But yeah, it, those things I love. Because I mean, I'll say, you know, the last thing is a lot of people would have bought this property, which has some size. It's not huge, but it's more than we thought we were going to get. And they would have torn the house down. Right. That's why you had to buy it. It was destined. And the homeowner asked us probably seven times through the lawyers, you're not tearing the house down, are you? So I don't know if there's ghosts there, but I do think there's, there's a feeling to the house. I think everyone's very pleased. Yeah, I think that's lovely. And I love that the ancestors of previous owners can swing <laughs> on by. That's perfect. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me today, Stephen. Thanks, Melanie. Great to chat with you. You've been listening to The Better Buy from Better Homes and Gardens. Be sure to follow The Better Buy on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. We'd love your feedback, so please rate this podcast and leave us a review. You can also find us online at bhg.com slash thebetterbuypodcast. This is our final episode of the season, so we hope you'll go back and listen to the rest of season two and season one, for that matter. Thanks for listening.